0: Good morning, good morning, buongiorno tutti, Pastor Jennifer here from the International Christian Fellowship of Rome in Italy, and I am not in the Bella Vita office today because of the strict red lockdown that we are facing right now, limiting our coming and going. However, praise the Lord, we do get to be at church on Sunday And I'm very much looking forward to that as we talk about being ready for the trumpet. And so today I am coming to you live from the home office and uh, excited about what God has to say to us. We have only three more chapters in our book, Be Comforted by Warren Wearsby. And if you follow along or you have followed along, you would benefit greatly from this book. So, um, I am just, hi Helen, good afternoon. So excited for what the Lord wants to share with us today. Uh, I just love thinking about how years in advance, God knows what was gonna happen years forward. Hi Barb, good morning. And it was in 2019, when I picked up this book at a conference for ministers. And I said, there's something about that title and that book study. Hi, Boyana. I feel like we're supposed to do that. That was in 2019. 2020, we were on lockdown and other crazy things. and um, But then we did start the book and we're finishing it now in 2021 on lockdown again. And I just think about how in 2019, the Lord was saying, don't worry, in 2021, I'm going to reveal the book of Isaiah to you, and you're going to be able to find comfort in my word in this way. So um, that's exciting how the Lord knows all of our days. So I want to say thank you for joining, and uh, we are just going to get started. So if you will just pray with me. Lord, I thank you right now for this day. I pray that you would illuminate the book of Isaiah and the Bible and this Bible study from be comforted to each of us. Um, Whatever concerns and worries we may be facing in this season of our life, God, may we, we be reminded that throughout scripture, you are saying, be comforted. I am your comfort. I am your peace. I am your joy. I am your love. I am your purpose. So Lord, we commit it to you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, Esther, happy to see you too. Um, just to do a quick little recap, if you have your book, um, we're gonna go back to page 152 for just a minute. Uh, and think about last last week, there was a couple things I wanted to read you. We um, We talked about the servant and the Lord, that this is God's servant. He's a light in the darkness and um, that God was commanding them not to linger or to be entertained by anybody else other than God. The servant of God was the most high thing. He told them not to touch anything unclean. He told them to come out from Babylon where there was all this worldly living and um, that the Lord would go before you and that the God of Israel will be your reward. So, to comfort you first thing, hi Jenny. Uh, from Isaiah. If you got your Bible, Isaiah 58 verses eight and nine, Isaiah 58 verses eight and nine. It says, then you will break forth. I got my big life application study Bible that I love. I don't carry it around with me all the time because it's super heavy, but I love studying from it. Isaiah 58, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will will appear quickly. Right now, I believe that's a word for somebody. You're worrying about something that you have sickness of or you need healing. Here's the promise of the Lord. Your healing will appear quickly. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. He'll be behind you and and in front of you. You will call. So if you don't call, you will call and the Lord will answer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah you will cry for help. And he will say, here am I. So this morning, as you think about what you have need of, and maybe it has felt gray or dreary, or um, he's promising here that the light would break forth like the morning sun, and that your healing would appear quickly. You have to call. And he said, I will answer. And I love those promises in scripture. Um, in my, uh, okay, so that's that. Now, I, thinking about all the things that we have studied in Isaiah, what would be your answer, because you got to type in the chat, so this is interactive, so I don't feel like I'm all by myself, even though I see all of you on there. Um, how will God use his people to accomplish his mission? How will God Use his people to accomplish his mission. There's a lot of ways we can accomplish the mission of God. What do you think? How will God use his people to accomplish his mission? In our book, you can, if you're looking in your book, it's Isaiah chapter 49, verses 8 through 13. I'm not going to read it right now, but. Here's some of the things we see in that answer. I want you to type in the chat, though. Whoops, what happened to the light here? Lost my light. Okay. Um, how will God use his people to accomplish his mission? Well, in Isaiah chapter 49, he tells us you can feed the poor. Isn't that awesome? We have a food pantry here at ICF Rome, and that's something that we can do to help spread the love and the, and the peace and the grace of God. You can have compassion on someone else and show them that their life matters, that you're praying for them, that you love them. You can have grace. You can lead them to the living water. So it's not just the, the bottled water, not this kind of water you can lead them to the living water, which the Bible says is Jesus. And, and we saw in Isaiah before how he talked about the river of peace. It would be like you would just lay down by that river of peace, and that living water would be so amazing. And you can shout for joy and comfort those in need. So now these are the verses from Isaiah. Let's just turn over there real quick, just so you know it's not me talking. Isaiah 49, 8 through 13. That's 50. Ah, so here's what the Lord says. I will answer you. I will help you. I will keep you. I will make you to be a covenant to restore the land. I will let you say, come out to the captives and be free. I will turn my mountains into roads and my highways will be raised up and you will shout for joy and burst into song for the Lord comforts his people and his people will have compassion on the afflicted ones. And so, um, even in verse chapter 49, verse 23, it says, hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. Somebody type that in hope will not be disappointed. Um, So how can you, how does God use us to accomplish his mission? It's the countenance that we have when we walk into a situation that somehow brings peace or tranquility, um, courage, encouragement, uh, strength, all of those kind of things, okay? So that's kind of a reflect from last week. And then there was one other question I wanted to give you before we go into chapter 11 from page 154 in our book, number 10. In order to become a model disciple in mind, will, and body, what goals reflecting servant attitude and activity would you set for yourself? Hi, Mary. Yes, thank you. And I uh, hope we'll not be disappointed. So... I'm on page 154, the question, in order to become a model disciple of Christ, in mind, in will, and in body. Good, good, Barb. Yep, help your neighbors. Be a light. Awesome. What goal reflecting servant attitude and activities would you set for yourself? And so, um, you know, you can be who you are. Uh, You guys know I am not like a prolific chef. It's not my favorite thing to do. Uh, I like hospitality and I like gifts and blessings. So I may not be able to bake you a dinner, make you a dinner. And, uh, you know, I mean, we do eat what I cook. It's actually pretty good when I do it. But Uh, I may be the one who goes to coffee or goes to a meal when we're not, when we can go to restaurants. Um, So this is really inhibiting me. That's why we must do connect online. And by the way, in case you didn't join me on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Rome time for 30 minutes, this past Tuesday, next Tuesday, and the next Tuesday while we're in lockdown. I'm doing Joyful Minutes with Pastor Jen in a Zoom, so it's very interactive, and it's just for fun. It's just for joy and lightening our spirits and lifting our burdens. So join me on Tuesday if you can. Um, Well, the title of this next chapter is Climbing Mount Everest, and I would say that right now, while we are in process of uh, the whole world trying to navigate a pandemic and quarantines and lockdowns and travel restrictions so much of the world is dependent upon tourism and even business travel has been limited as people are working remotely from their home offices as well and uh so i want us to look at isaiah 53 this chapter is actually from 52 to 53. isaiah 53 Like Mount Everest stands out to the mountain climber, Isaiah 53 stands out in beauty and grandeur, not only because it reveals Jesus Christ, but only, I'm sorry, only because it reveals Jesus Christ and takes us to Mount Calvary. So I've said before and many times that what makes me so excited about studying the the Bible and even now studying Isaiah is that there is a thread of God's word being true. The Bible is true from creation to revelation, getting ready for the trumpet, and he's coming back. So here we see in Isaiah, before hundreds of years before Jesus was brought to this earth, that Isaiah is predicting this is what would happen to a Messiah. And so I want you to see who is the Messiah. It says that. He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. I'm in Isaiah 53. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that would make you desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely, He took up our infirmities. He died on the cross and took that suffering for our sickness. By his stripes, we are healed. And he carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. Here it is, verse 5 in chapter 53. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed we all like sheep have gone astray and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all he was oppressed and afflicted yet he did not open his mouth he was led like a lamb to the slaughter and it goes on in verse 10 yet it was the lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer and though the lord makes his life talking about the messiah a guilt offering He will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of light and be satisfied. That's eternity. That is powerful. And so the servant that Isaiah is describing is the Messiah. And the New Testament affirms that this servant, Messiah, is Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. And we see that in, in all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew 8, Mark 15, Luke 22, John 12, Acts 8, 1 Peter 2. So the writers of the New Testament, hundreds of years after the writers of the Old Testament had been empowered by the Holy Spirit to write the holy, infallible word of God. These were not men's words. they were God's words inspired. And they have endured the test of time for 2,000 years. Isaiah 53 is quoted or alluded to in the New Testament more frequently than any other Old Testament chapter. Isaiah 53. We need to know what God says to us in Isaiah 53. The index of quotations in the appendix of the Greek New Testament gives at least 41 different citations where Isaiah 53 is referred to in the New Testament. The 15 verses that comprise the fourth servant song, that's what we're reading right now, Isaiah 53, fall into five stanzas of three verses each. And each of these stanzas reveals an important truth about the servant. I'm on page 156. And you can see from my my thing here that I have marked it up, okay, and they're going to help me, amen, that seamless thread, Mary, that's right, hallelujah, God is faithful, so I'm going to give you first the whole, and then we're going to go and break it down for 30 minutes, okay, it shows that he is a shocking servant, he shocked and astonished the kings, he is a shocked servant, a shocking servant, It shows that he is a sorrowing servant, that he would be a silent servant, and that he would be a satisfied servant. Shocking. You know, sometimes it's shocking when you tell people, I don't do those kind of things. Jesus is in charge of my life. Or, you know what? You thought that your country was going to turn out like this, but God turned it around for good, and it's amazing. Shock, shock and awe. We've heard that phrase in war, even. But this is about what God does. And when God shows up on the scene, it can be shocking to us. I want God to shock me sometimes. Amen. And that there were sorrowing moments. Um, I've heard the Lord say that he gives us permission to grieve because he sent his Holy Spirit, the comforter, John says, John 14, John 16. He says, be of good cheer. I'm going to be with you. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. So we praise God for this. And So as we look, I want to just go over some of these things. My goal is to finish today this chapter. Then we'll have two more weeks and then we'll be finished and we'll be doing a couple new things and then we'll do start a new book and I'll let you know about that. So here's what happened. His people did not admire or deserve desire the servant. We see that in Isaiah 52 Verse 2 and 3. Awake, awake, O Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Shake off your dust. Rise up. Get these things off your neck, it says. For this is what the Lord says. Without money you will be redeemed. Without money you will be redeemed. That's amazing. God was going to redeem us through the power of the cross. So, when it was all over, he shocked and astonished the kings. If we take these verses in their chronological order, we see that the people were shocked by his appearance. That's in verse 14. They were sh- um, He had an exaltation. That's in verse 13. And we see his message in verse 15. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. See, he's talking about the suffering and the glory of this servant in verse 13 of 52. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured. This is talking about the cross marred by man, it says. They He took all of that beating. Palm Sunday is coming up. The Sunday we celebrate before the Resurrection Sunday. Good Friday could seem like bad Friday to a lot of people. But I want you to know that his message is that our Lord suffered and died, but he has a resurrection and ascension and the worldwide. Somebody type in worldwide. God wants the whole world. Worldwide, to know what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And that is how we are comforted. You would be amazed if someone asks you why you're happy, why you seem at peace. So try to do that so that people will talk to you about that. And you begin to tell them there's something about the power of Jesus in my life, about the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. It makes me live differently, it makes me think differently. And so I study the servant, God Almighty, so that worldwide, people will know and have the opportunity to make heaven their home. So they were also startled. We're going to talk about some things that were shocking to them. I'm on page 156 and 157 in the book. The next verse in Isaiah I'm going to read is actually going to be from chapter 50, verse 6 and 7. Okay. Chapter 50, verse 6 and 7. So they were, how were they shocked by this servant? According to Isaiah. Hi, Anthony. Good morning. Um, They were startled at his appearance. They shall see my servant beaten and bloodied, so disfigured that one would scarcely know a person was standing there. So disfigured did he look that he seemed no longer human. What, when you consider all that Jesus endured physically, Between the time of his arrest and his crucifixion, it is no wonder he did not look like a man. Not only were his legal rights taken away from him, including the right to a fair trial, but his human rights were taken from him. He was not treated like a person, let alone a Jewish citizen. And when he was questioned before Annas, Jesus was slapped by an officer. And we see that in John chapter 18. At the hearing before Caiaphas, he was spat upon and slapped and beaten on the head with their fist, according to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Gospels, the uh, the uh testimony of the apostles that were with Jesus at that time. Pilate scourged him, we see in Matthew 27 and Mark 15, and the soldiers beat him, we see in John 19. Scourging was so terrible that prisoners were known to die from that part of the persecution I gave my back to the smiters said God's servant and my cheeks to them that plucked off my hair I did not hide my face from shame and spitting and they were doing this to the very son of God read 56 and 7 I read it from the book but this is in the Bible Isaiah right there it is The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me, I'm in Isaiah 50, verse four. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. The sovereign Lord opened my ears and I have not been rebellious. I have not drawn back. I offered my back to those who beat me. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting because the sovereign Lord helps me. I will not be disgraced. Therefore have I set my face like flint and I know I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. It is the sovereign Lord who helps me. Who is he that will condemn me? They will wear out like a garment. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of the servant? Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on God. That's verse 10 in chapter 50. Remember, this is be comforted. Here's what it says. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. When we place our confidence in our own intelligence, our own appearance, and our own accomplishments, instead of in God, we risk torment later when these things fade. Isn't that powerful when we think about God wants us to depend on him because if we depend on our, you know, sometimes we know if we depend on others, they're going to fail us. So we stop depending on others. But then if we start to depend on ourselves, One day, our self is going to fail. Your strength is going to fail. Your mind may fail. Your body may fail. Your, Your energy may fail. But when we put our hope and confidence in Jesus Christ and his righteousness and what he has already conquered on the cross and in the grave and in the resurrection moments, I will not be disappointed. The scripture is clear. Hope will not disappoint. Isn't that Powerful. It says on page 157 the graphic account of his suffering is that given in sometimes in some sermons, except that in Psalm 22. Okay. So let's look over to Psalm 22 real quick. Psalm 22. See, this is like if we're just sitting around the table talking. Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry out day and night, but you do not answer, and, and I'm not silent. Yet, verse 3, 22, verse 3, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One, and you, are fathers, put their trust. See, Psalm 22, David was giving an accurate description of the suffering that the Messiah would do in Psalm 22. We, we see this in our authors of the book, Be Comforted book, an analysis that here again, even before Isaiah, David is writing, or uh, in the Bible, before you come to the book of Isaiah, David is writing the very words that the gospels documented that Jesus said on the cross. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So David was saying it. And God, Jesus was saying it in Psalm 22, verse 14, it says, I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. And I wrote in my Bible that God knows my illness, that I had a healing in C4 and 5 that they told me was going to have to have a second surgery. And I did not have to have it. All my bones were out of alignment and God healed me. Isn't that powerful. Isn't that powerful? Um, in my life application study Bible, I might take a picture of this and send it to, to the ones who uh, I have your contact information because it talks about Jesus in the Psalms and that the Messiah will be God's son. He'll rise from the dead. He'll experience agony. Evil men will cast lots. So Psalms also, like Isaiah, predicts many things They had different authors. David wrote the Psalms. Isaiah's writing here. So, hi, Shanta. We're happy that you could join us. So, this shocking servant, yes, they would be startled by his appearance, but they would also be startled at the servant's exaltation. The servant suffered and died, but he did not remain dead. Somebody type in the chat, he is alive. In case you thought God wasn't able to hear you, he's alive. His hearing is working. He's listening to you. He is standing. Last night we, we covered several scriptures in our Wednesday prayer that the Lord stood with them and strengthened me. And so we don't need to be, but they were, startled at this shocking servant's exaltation. Ex- exalted and extolled and made very high. The phrase deal prudently means to be successful in one's endeavor. What looked to men like a humiliating defeat was, in the eyes of God, a great victory. Amen? He is alive. Thank you for typing that. Thank you for being with me. Uh, If we were around the table, we would raise our hands and say, Thank you, Jesus. You're alive. You're not dead. You're not a statue that does nothing. I tell you, I went to um, Asia I believe it was in Japan at the time. We went into a temple that was not a Christian temple that had all, I'm using my bottle of water, uh, maybe more things like this, that was like a piece of pottery. And they were idols that were sitting on shelves. I'll never forget it. And it was a hard, cold thing. And there was a person, and you could pay money to this little cold statue. Uh, that you wouldn't have a car accident, that your children would graduate from school, that this would happen. And you know what was happening when they put their money into dead pieces of stone, idols made with hands? They walked in sad and in despair, hi Esther, and they walked out sad and in despair because you see when we come into the presence of the almighty Jesus who has been exalted and extolled above all, who has conquered death, hell, and the grave for you and I, we come into his presence sad and weary or sick and confused and we walk out of his presence not just encouraged but changed. Amen? The DNA of our life is changed. A friend of ours, I just have been mulling over this thought, said, you know, you can go into a good service at church and you can have a great service and you can go in to feel encouraged and you can walk out feeling encouraged for a moment. Or you can go to church. Wanting to encounter the presence and the power of the Most High God who is making us ready for the trumpet. And when you walk into the presence of God for the purpose of being molded and fashioned into the woman or the man of faith that God wants you to be, you don't walk out with just a little feel good in your spirit. You walk out with a challenge from the Holy Spirit that I will walk in that daily comfort. I will walk in that daily peace. I will walk in the strength that he stood with me and gave me strength. Amen. Somebody say amen. I'm sorry. I got a little preach on there. Okay, we got to keep going. They were also startled um, that Jesus was not only raised from the dead. I'm on page 157, but his body was glorified. He ascended to heaven where he sat at the right hand of the Father. Matthew 28, 18 says he has all authority and all things have been put under his feet. Amen. 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 Thank you, Shanta. Yeah, um, many of us have, were in other kinds of faiths where um, the Lord has redeemed our lives and shown us that he is alive and we can trust him and he changes us in Jesus' name. I wanted to read Philippians chapter 2 to you. Um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 11. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 through 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross, one of the most excruciating ways to die. And therefore, so there, so therefore, so because. He obeyed, because he humbled himself, because he served the Most High God. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And this is what we quote, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. In hell, they have to bow to the name of Jesus. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, somebody was just recently telling me that even at the university, they are saying that there is no absolute truth. You know, this is a lie and a trick of the enemy. The truth is that the Bible is true. The Bible has withstood hundreds and thousands of language translations and different kinds of translations, to put it in more uh, contemporary terms. But the meaning and the essence has remained intact, fully intact. If you read from the King James Version or the NIV Version, and if you read a contemporary version, I encourage you to use the King James Version and the NIV to just parallel it because it's very powerful. But the Bible is true. So you've typed for me today that God is alive. I want you to type the Bible is true. That's why we study the Bible. That's why we're studying Isaiah, because not only did he give prophecies and promises, but he promised to give us the strength to endure every predicament. Prophecies and promises and the strength to endure every predicament. So they might be startled at the servant's message and the people's mouths might have dropped open as a result of this. I have to go back to Isaiah, so I'll be there when I'm ready. Oh, okay. Uh, They were startled. Many people have been tortured and killed in inhumane ways, but knowing about their suffering did not change our conscience. It might arouse our sympathy, our Lord's suffering and his death because there was a resurrection and it involved everybody in the world. The gospel message is not Christ died, for that's only a fact in history like Napoleon died. The gospel message is that Christ died for our sins, 1 Corinthians 15 You and I are as guilty of Jesus' death as Annas, Caiaphas, Herod, Antipas, and Pilate. The gospel message is not that Jesus died on the cross. The gospel message is that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, for my sins. Wow, 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 wow. And you cannot rejoice in the good news of salvation until you first face the bad news of condemnation Jesus did not suffer and die because he was guilty but because we were guilty people are astonished and shocked at that fact and they don't know what to say so they say well you can't oh, you can't think it's literal it's not really literally true well it's a, there are witnesses yes it is true. And if I had a witness that Jesus came and was in a manger and the, and the wise men came and I have a witness that Moses took the children out of Israel and Miriam put the baby in the, in the basket and sent him down the Nile River. I have witnesses. The Bible is true. And Jesus died for our sins. He didn't just die. He died for a very important purpose. And because of the sacrifice of Christ, we can tell... All the nations that forgiveness and redemption are offered free to all who will receive him, 1 Peter, 2, 1 Peter 1, 1 and 2 says. The next thing we see is that he was a sorrowing servant. You're going to say, Pastor Jen, I thought this was to be comforted. We're going to be comforted by his sorrow? Well, let's look at it. Isaiah 53, as I've already read to you, and you can read it more, Um, even in verse 16, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, after the suffering of his soul, he would see the light of life and be satisfied because he poured out his life unto death and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. My righteous servant will justify many Tells of the enormous family of believers who become righteous, not by your own works. You don't become righteous by what you do. You become righteous by what Jesus did. And when we really understand that fact, we'll do everything we can to serve him because he did so much when we weren't worthy. When we would sin and turn our back on him, we can be clothed in the righteousness of God's goodness So Isaiah 54 goes on to talk about that future glory, but we're going to stay here for just a moment. We can't explain everything about the cross, but this much seems clear. Jesus took the place of guilty sinners and paid the price for our salvation. There's quite a contrast between the arm of the Lord, which speaks of mighty power, and a root out of dry ground, which is an image of humiliation and weakness. When God made the universe... He used his fingers, Psalms 8.3. And when he delivered Israel from Egypt, it was by his strong hand, Exodus 13.3. But to save lost sinners, he had to bear his mighty arm. And yet people still can't believe this great demonstration of God's power. We see that in Romans 1 and John 12. The servant, the sorrowing servant is God. Is Jesus in the, in the form of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? In Jesus, we see that He becomes human and He grows up. The child is born. That's His humanity. The Son is given. That is His deity. I want to say that again. The child is born. That is His humanity, so that we can know. He bore our sufferings. He faced temptation. He witnessed persecution. He experienced betrayal. That's his humanity. But he became the son of God and the son of God resurrected. And that is his deity. And that is something you and I don't have. Amen. Amen. God is faithful. In writing about Israel's future, Isaiah has already used the image of a tree. The Messiah is the branch of the Lord, it says back in chapter four of Isaiah. The remnant is like the stumps of the trees chopped down, Isaiah six. The proud nations will be hewn down like trees, but out of David's, what looked like a dead stump, the rod of Jesse will come, Isaiah chapter 10. And because Jesus is God, he is the root of David, but because he is man, he is the offspring of David. And we see that, again, here's that thread, In Revelation 22.16, type that in the chat, Revelation 22.16. I want you to see this is not just a book study on the book of Isaiah. This is not just a book study on, on be comforted. This is saying life may be hard. We may be weary. We can't wait to get to heaven where there is no problem. But the promise is true. The Bible is true. He wants to give us life and to give it more abundantly. And we see the humiliation of this sorrowing servant. Israel was not a paradise when Jesus was born. Politically and spiritually, it was a wilderness. I want to say that again. Israel, the country of Israel, it was not some paradise when Jesus was born. It was a wilderness of dry ground. He did not come as a great tree, but as a tender plant. Born in poverty in Bethlehem, grew up in a carpenter's shop, despised. We see it in John chapter 1. Because of his words and his works, Jesus attracted great crowds, but nothing about his physical appearance made him any different. While few people deliberately try to be unattractive, modern society has made a religion out of our physical beauty. It is good to remember that Jesus, the Son of God, succeeded without that physical appearance. Once they understood what he demanded of them, How did most people treat this servant? The way they treated any other slave, they despised him. They rejected him. They put a cheap price on him of 30 pieces of silver. You know, the euro has silver uh, in the one and the two, I think. Uh, The U.S. dollar has silver in a nickel and a dime. We're talking about $30 or 30 cents. And he looked the other way when he went by, it says in Isaiah 53. They were ashamed of him because he did not represent the things that were important to them like wealth, Luke 16, social prestige, reputation, being served by others, pampering yourself, and he is rejected today for the same reasons. It's not easy. It's not easy in this day and age to say I'm going to be a Christian. I'm gonna deny my flesh. In this day of selfies and self-promotion, and now on social media, we have to put it out there because it's a way that we can connect, which is powerful, but we're not doing it. I'm telling you what, we're not doing it for Anything other than that the name of Jesus Christ would be exalted in your life, that you would recognize you don't have to bring your prayers to a statue and put money in and leave the same way you came in. God wants you to come into his presence in the word of God, in the worship of God, and among the fellowship of God's family. And he wants your very DNA to be changed. This is what the suffering servant modeled for you and I. Amen. So now we are on page 160, the smitten servant, Isaiah chapter 53. Still, this is the heart of the passage and it presents the heart of the gospel. Jesus bore our sins on the cross, 1 Peter 2, but he also identified with the consequences of Adam's sin. Isaiah 53, it applies Isaiah 53, 4 to our Lord's healing ministry and not to his atoning death. Every blessing we have in the Christian life comes because of the cross. Okay, that's very important. The emphasis in verses 4 through 6 is on the plural pronouns. Our griefs. Oh, I love that. He bore our griefs and our sorrows. Isaiah 53 verse 4, he took our infirmities, he carried our sorrows, we were considered smitten, he pierced for our transgressions, for our iniquities, isn't that powerful? That's you and me, our, the plural pronoun, you can type that in the chat, our, it's not just mine, it's not just theirs, it's not just yours, it's ours, he did it for us as his family, he made us, he created us, he's our father, even if we reject him. God the father is your father, he created you, even if you have rejected him. And this smitten servant on the cross, Jesus was bruised, which means crushed under the weight of a burden. What was the burden? The Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. Sin is indeed a burden that grows heavier the longer we resist God. Have you ever noticed when you resist God, that heaviness, that struggle gets harder, it gets more entangled, there's more elements to it? That's the enemy's tactics, to burden us. But the Bible says, take on his yoke. His yoke is easy and his burden is light because he took our sufferings. He bore our sorrows, he bore our iniquities. And when we stop resisting that grace and that mercy, we can be comforted, amen? We can be comforted because Isaiah knew what what the New Testament knew, what Jesus knew when he came the first time. He's coming back. He's promised heaven and he has done it for our good, for our well-being. Thank you, thank you, thank you for participating. He suffered the whipping that belonged to all of us and the healing in Isaiah 53 is talking about the forgiveness of sins Sin is not only like a burden, but it's also like a sickness that only God can cure. Hmm? Sin is a sickness that only God can cure. The Catholic Church can't cure it. A statue in a Buddhist temple can't cure it. I'm sorry. A book can't cure it. But the Holy Presence, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, the power of the name of Jesus, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord over all. He is our powerful Savior and he is that smitten servant. He is also the silent servant. He is a silent servant. A servant is not permitted to talk back. He or she must submit to the will of the master. Jesus Christ was silent before those who accused him. Normally when we do our book study, um, thank you Shanta for writing that, we go around the table and we read and it really is amazing if you have the book or you have the passage we're on page 161, um, you read it out loud, somehow the words pierce your heart some way when you're reading it, amen? And so we see that in Isaiah 53, 7, it says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before the shear is silent. He did not open his mouth. It speaks of his silence under suffering and of his silence when illegally tried and unjustly condemned to death. In today's courts, a person can be found guilty of terrible crimes. But if it can be proved that something was illegal, the case can be tried again. But everything about Jesus' trial was illegal, and yet Jesus did not appeal for another trial. He said in John 18, The cup which my father has given me, shall I not drink it? I'm on page 162. The servant is compared to a lamb. You know, he is a strong warrior. He is a strong warrior, but he is a suffering lamb, the lamb of God. 53.7, which is one of the frequent symbols of the Savior in Scripture, a lamb that died for each Jewish household at Passover, the servant who died for his people, the nation of Israel. Jesus is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world John 1:29 says. See you see this thread from the Old Testament to to Isaiah to the New Testament 28 times in the book of Revelation. Somebody type 28 times. 28 times in the book of Revelation. Jesus is referred to as the lamb 28 times in revelation when we know that Jesus is coming back and it's going to be powerful and it's going to be mighty. But he's also, we have to understand the suffering that Jesus took for you and for me for our troubles. Jesus did that. We are together. It's not a you and me or a them and us. It's an hour. I need to say that again. It's not a you and me. It's not a them and us. It's an hour. I'm going to worship in heaven with people who I might have disagreed with on this planet. If they have accepted Jesus Christ and his righteousness and his love, and they have bowed their knee in their life to him and said, God, help me. We, we, it's that plural pronoun, we, our, together, amen? He is the lamb. So we understand that there was this resignation. Of the silent servant but then we see that he is the satisfied servant Isaiah 53 10 through 12 yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering he will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand after the suffering He will see the light of life and be satisfied. My righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death. He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors oh wow oh wow isn't that awesome isn't that awesome god is faithful he is that satisfied servant he's not sitting there still saying jesus is not still saying my god why did i have to do that for jennifer no he's saying thank you thank you that my daughter knows my name my daughter has received the sacrifice that i did for her my children are receiving the sacrifice that I have done for them. And he has vindication when we say, thank you, Jesus. Can we say that for a minute? Maybe you want to type that in the chat. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I love to bring good news, but we need to be aware of the suffering servant. We need to be aware of the shocking servant. And people are going to be shocked that we believe in the veritable true word of God, in the true analysis and historical message of the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is a shocking servant. He was a smitten servant. He was a suffering servant, but he is also a satisfied servant. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you are there for me. And it says in 53 10 that he would prolong his days meaning that the servant would be resurrected to live forever in his resurrection he triumphs over every enemy and he claims the spoils of victory and we can parallel that in ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 4 another part of his reward is found in the statement he shall see his seed That you and me his descendants to dial childless was a grief and a shame But Jesus gave birth to a spiritual family because of his travail on the cross. Did you ever think about it like that? Jesus was giving birth to his spiritual family in that travail and that pain on the cross. And can you, those of you that are with me that are mothers, you know the travail that you experience over your child Not only in childbirth, but even after. You want them to do good. You want them to stay in harmony. You want them to stay in peace. You want them to stay in close proximity to Jesus, the Father, the Heavenly Father. The servant's work on the cross brought satisfaction. He was satisfied with the heart of the Father. John 8, 29 says, I do always these things that please him. That's what Jesus talking The death of the servant satisfied the law of God. And there is a theological term for this called propitiation. That's Romans chapter 3, verse 25. In pagan religions, the word meant to offer a sacrifice. The sacrifice. Put your money in there. Maybe you won't get in a car accident. Or maybe you speak on the name of Jesus and he'll provide a hedge of health around you. And even if you're in a car accident, the Lord will watch over you. He must judge sinners, but in his love he desires to forgive them. He cannot ignore sin or compromise with it, for that would be contrary to his own nature and law. I want us to look again at Ezekiel thirty-three, eleven. Ezekiel thirty-three, eleven. This is a verse that in this Bible study has just stuck out to me so much. Ezekiel 33, 11 because people say, you know, God is mad, or God is evil, or why does he let all this evil? We live in a fallen world with evil men, and, and sickness, and pollution, and viruses, and cancer, all of that, but I want you to know that God loves us so much that he sent Jesus, that Jesus loved us so much that he travailed for us on the cross, but here, in case you ever wondered what God thinks about the sinner Ezekiel 33 11 says, say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die? This is God the Father who created you. He does not make any of us serve him. He does not force us. There he says, I take no delight in the death of the wicked. Yes, I've prepared heaven. It's a holy place. It's a heavenly place. It's a place of harmony. It's a place of health and vitality. Oh boy, there's a sermon right there. We're talking about getting ready for the trumpet. But I want you to know God doesn't want us to go to hell. That's also a place. If heaven is a place, hell is a place. And God is saying, I can't have this. These two things can't dwell together. Light and darkness can't dwell together. But what I can tell you, is that when you will trust in me, when you will do good, when you will accept Jesus, he paid the price and he desires to forgive us. Grace is love that has paid a price. It says at the bottom, to justify means to declare righteous. He took our sins that we might receive the gift of righteousness. Justification means that God declares believing sinners are righteous and he never again keeps a record of our sins. We see that in Psalm 32 and Romans 4. Once we say, I'm sorry. Once we say, forgive me. He cast our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. And that's why it says that we are new. Behold, we are a new creature. All things are made new. His mercies are new every morning. There are new heights to reach. There is an eternal life that you may know that only the true God in Jesus Christ, whom has been sent. Isaiah 53, 4 and 6 explains the heart of the gospel message. He is, where's my little note? He is a shocking servant. I'm right with him. How about you? He is a sorrowing, suffering servant. And I cannot overlook that part. I must value it. I must say, you know what? If he suffered, what is my suffering? What is my... Three weeks of lockdown in a heated house with hot water and food to eat. It's nothing. It's nothing. Isolated from my family on different continents. It's hard. It's not fun. I wouldn't choose it that way. But I would choose to follow the suffering servant. He's the silent servant. Sometimes we just have to be quiet and say, God, not my will, but your will. Amen? He was silent. Before his accusers, he was silent. He let it go because he knew God was doing something. Resurrection power was brewing in that travail on the cross. And he was a satisfied servant. And he did it for us, for our. So I did it. Can you believe it? I did a whole chapter in one hour. Thank you for sticking with me. Thank you for helping me in the chat. And um, I, I appreciate it. It encourages me to study the Word of God with you. I pray that it encourages you. I pray that you will like it, that you will share it, and share it on your other platforms so that people can see what the book of Isaiah says about the promise, about the prophecies, and about the presence of God, the Father, in each of our lives. So, we have a couple minutes. If you have a prayer request or something that you want me to be praying for this week, Please feel free to type it in the chat. I want you to be praying for Joan, Pastor Rick's mom, and for Pastor Rick as well during this time when, you know, it seems like that the Lord is preparing, he's preparing all of us for that one day when we will stand face to face with him, but she needs a healing in her body and she needs um, the presence of God every day to give her strength, freedom from pain. Um, We pray that God would be with her, that God would heal her. We pray that God would heal and uh, just break the strongholds of this COVID chaos that has happened in our world. But if you have a prayer request, I want you to put it in there. You can also write me in an email from the website. Sunday we're going to be on campus so please don't forget to register and for those of you that are in Rome you print your registration confirmation print your self-declaration form that says I'm coming from this address I'm going to via Guido Castle 28 which is ICF Rome for my English worship service in my Christian faith which I'm allowed to do and um, and so you bring those things with you we pray that it will all be well and um, if you can join us online, we'll be online at 11.45. I want you to be ready for the trumpet. No man knows the day or the hour. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and I won't be old anymore, and I won't have to worry about calories or cooking (laughs) because I will be in the presence of Jesus Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit. He is our comfort. So God, I pray that you would comfort your sons and daughters today, those who will watch now and those who will watch later. May they remember that when you promised a Savior that would take our iniquities and suffer for us, that uh, that also meant we would now have our victories and our purpose and our peace that comes from God the Father. We love you, Lord, and I pray blessings upon every single one. I love you so much. And I know that God is doing amazing things in your life and through your life. Don't be afraid to say, I'm ready, God. So ready. Ready from head to toe. No matter what it is. Ready to raise a God song of victory. victory. That's my part. Ready to raise a God song in every situation. I am ready for the trumpet. Are you? As close as the mention of his name. God bless and have a wonderful day.